Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Tactical Yanks podcast, your podcast for soccer in America and around the world. I'm your co-host, Pete Douthit, and I am joined by my fellow co-host, Filippo Silva, and welcome to the Tactical Yanks podcast. Hopefully you enjoy. We'll be talking about U.S. soccer, European soccer, South American soccer, the World Cup, and much more. Welcome back, guys, to the Tactical Yanks pod. As always, I'm Pete Douthat, your co-host from 11 Yanks, the YouTube channel. And I have with me Filippo Silva from Tactical Manager TV. How you doing, Tac? Doing good. Happy to be back here. Happy to be recording another episode of Tactical Yanks. It's going to be a fun talk mm-hmm. today, Pete. Fun talk mm-hmm. today. And before we keep going here, how's your, your knee strength getting there? My, my, I'm still working on mine. Yeah, same. I mean, just in physical therapy, doing my best to strengthen it. That's all the news for now. So we're out of the June roster, guys. That is confirmed. But that doesn't mean we're out of the World Cup. <laughs> oh, actually, Pete, Pete, you are because you're an ACL. You're done for the World Interestingly, Cup. Interestingly, I got my injury playing on da, 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 turf. Ooh. We're going to have a, a few talks about that today. Yeah, uh, especially because of a U.S. men's national team center back that is now officially out of the World Cup because probably because of turf. Yeah. Our first casualty is Miles Robinson. And, you know, uh, it's sad because you don't want any player to have an Achilles. Is probably, it's maybe not as bad as like a leg break, like a bad leg break, but it's pretty bad. Uh, As football injuries go, as soccer injuries go, I mean, look at Aaron Long. You're talking about over a year before he was back playing again, you know. And um, I feel for Miles because that really sucks for him. Now, Pete, before we start, just to let everyone know, this podcast, we're going to essentially divide it into three sections. The first section, we're going to talk a little bit more about Miles Robinson and some U.S. men's national team center back options, what might happen, what Greg can do. Maybe stop talking about Brooks because media members asked us to stop talking about Brooks. (laughs) We are definitely talking about Brooks. We are talking about Brooks just because they don't want us to. I am going to Brooks now harder than ever, whatever that means. <laughs> Channeling your inner Michael Scott. Yes. But then after we talk about the U.S. men's national team center backs, we're going to go quickly through some youth that we want to talk about. So we're, I don't want to spoil it, but it's going to be some U.S. men's national, U.S. youth national team talk, essentially. Yeah. And then at the end of the podcast, we're going to talk about Europe and the big transfer that came out today of Erlen Haaland to Manchester City. And a little bit of a center forward discussion that we want to have here as well. But before we start, Pete, what's the review you're reading today? All right. So we have an iTunes reviews. High quality stuff is the name of this review by 94 Boric. One of the most handsome podcasts I've ever heard. Wow. I've ever heard. Huge fan of the content stream you guys put out. Whether it be praising the player or giving honest criticism about tactics and Triple G, you guys know your stuff, and it leads to a very enjoyable listen. Cheers, guys. Keep up the good work. Well, thank you, 94 Bork. I agree with him. I, I did once um, self-proclaim myself the best-looking YouTuber. I did do that hey. one. Hey. Well, according <laughs> hey. to Hercules Gomez, 11 Yanks is his favorite channel. Yes, but he didn't say best-looking one. Well, that's implied. (laughs) (laughs) Herc, if you're listening, could you please settle this debate for us? Yeah, uh, we're going to have to ask Herc. Like, Herc, we understand you selected 11 Yanks as the best, your favorite U.S. Men's National Team channel. But now we're asking you, which one is the best looking channel? 
So guys, if you're listening to this podcast and you want to know the answer, feel free to tweet at Herc and ask him for his response. I'm sure he'll yeah. be very obliging. Yeah, he he needs to give us answers. But Pete, let's dive into it. The U.S. Yeah. Men's National Team center back situation. So Miles Robinson, torn Achilles in turf, playing for Atlanta at Atlanta, right at Mercedes-Benz Stadium. We also had earlier in the season, not that long ago, two, three weeks ago, Brad Guzan also had an Achilles injury in that same field. So... Again, leads us to believe that turf is the reason, especially with Miles, right? Uh, very fit, strong, um, young too. Yeah. Gruzan, obviously, maybe the age. And even though his, the way it happened, it was weird. It was, it was alone, nothing. It was not a really, nothing was going on. Miles Robinson is done for the year and done for the World Cup. A big loss for the U.S. men's national team. A massive loss for Atlanta United. What do you take from that? Um, well, it's interesting. Did you know that the Atlanta actually changed their turf in the off season? And they've had not just those two, but a lot of other injuries. Caleb Wiley has been injured. Uh, Petey Martinez has been injured. They had a couple other injuries as well. And we're so early on into the season. Now you can't prove beyond all shadow of a doubt that it was because of the turf, but the evidence does seem to be that there's something going on with that artificial turf in Atlanta. And let me remind you, we've seen Seattle Sounders players getting injured even in CONCACAF Champions League on turf as well. Joao Paulo, for example, with his ACL looks like. Was it confirmed in ACL? Yeah, I believe so. I believe yeah. it was. You know, and then, um, you know, Caleb Wiley came on this last weekend and got injured again and had to be pulled off. So it's it's frustrating. You know, we, we, it seems to be, and there are studies on this, guys. We're not talking out of our asses. They have studied the consequences of playing on turf. And the conclusions by multiple studies of, you know, physiologists and sports scientists and, you know, have concluded that you are a lot more likely to get injured playing on turf than you are on grass. Now, you said something interesting to, to me today about Palmeiras. Yeah, so Palmeiras. Uh, so let me tell the overall story so people can understand why Palmeiras plays in turf. Palmeiras has a brand new stadium that was founded in 2013 or 14. And the reason they made this arena was so they could host the Palmeiras games, obviously, and big concerts in Sao Paulo, which is the biggest city in Brazil in terms of population and income. The problem yeah. was with natural grass, every time there was a show or a concert, the grass would be destroyed and the team would play in awful grass. And there were several complaints about that. How can you have a five-star stadium, but your grass is not proper for it? So... Palmeiras had done many researches and tried different methods, and it was just never working. Essentially, what happened was they decided to implement turf because then the, the, the concerts wouldn't really affect it. Uh, ever since it was implemented, the injuries haven't gone up at all. And the, they claim, I think Ajax, I don't know if they use it in their stadium, but it's some technology, a, a specific, it's a soccer-specific turf with different types of technology. I don't know exactly what it's made of, but I believe they got it from Ajax and Palmeiras has been using it. It's a soccer-specific turf and the players haven't been getting injured. It honestly hasn't really been an issue at all. And look at that taco barking. <laughs> yeah, taco, shush. Sorry, to. I hope uh, he didn't uh, out. No, that's fine. But I don't know the differences of turf. I am in no way, shape, or form an expert on that. Um, I've played in turf and I actually tore my ACL on turf just to make that clear as well. Yeah. So did but, I. <laughs> yeah. 
So there's many reasons to back what we said, many facts to back what we said. And I would like to know, maybe if we can find an expert, maybe even bring them to the channel or the podcast to talk about this, the differences of turf, types of turf. Uh, maybe the ones being used in Atlanta are more football specific and the one for Palmeiras was built for soccer, the way they play it, their studies on it. I'm going to do also some research on why Ajax uses it. And I don't think Ajax uses it in their stadium. It might be for training. I need to double check on that. Yeah. But again, I guess there's solutions out there for Atlanta United and many other MLS sites to search, seek, and 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 do that because you... These injuries are terrible, right? Jean Paul is done for the season. Miles Robinson done for the season. Brad Luzan might be done for his career with this yeah. one, right? So, so the reason, just real quick, the reason turf is usually the reason why you get more injuries is because it's harder, right? It's not soil. It's not grass. It's not proper. So it's, it, you know, there's a lot more impact when you strike the ground on turf, which does cause more injuries. It's why the ball tends to zip a lot more on turf than it does on grass. Um, so it, it's, again, we need to get a, probably to talk to an expert to tell us exactly, you know, I, for example, do you know at MetLife, they put grass on top of their turf whenever they're playing uh, soccer there, when they play like friendlies at MetLife Stadium. So it is possible, guys. Remember the NFL season, we're talking about MLS teams that play in NFL stadiums like Atlanta, like Seattle, like even New England. You can lay grass on top of it. Is it expensive? Yes. You know what else is expensive? losing important players that could cost you your season right or even just forget the expense side the human side like is it fair to like take huge chunks off of players careers because you don't want to you know have the proper uh, or because you're not willing to expend their money in order to protect them and to optimize their health and safety and it's concerning certainly and i hope that mls really starts to make a mandate as much as possible, no more playing on turf. I mean, there's a reason Zlatan refused to play on turf when he came to MLS. A lot of guys have refused to play on on turf. So I, I we need to double check this. I did a quick 20-second research here. But it, it looks like the Johan Cruyff Arena, which is the Ajax's stadium, right? Ajax from Eredivisie. It looks like they also have turf. It's the same one Palmeiras uses, mm. right? If uh, I know there's soccer-specific turf or like what they call hybrid turf. Yeah, well, you know, guys, we'll do a research on this a little bit better and we'll confirm, but it looks like Ajax also uses just like Palmeiras and it doesn't look like either one of those teams, Palmeiras or Ajax, has these injury issues. So there is a solution out there. That's just something to point out. For sure. So now that Robinson is gone, what are some of the replacement options? I said I was going to John Brooks harder than ever. So John Brooks, no. <laughs> but, we just called it the John Brooks podcast. <laughs> the John Brooks podcast. But so obviously John Brooks should have been there anyway, right? But that's one option. And we definitely have two that are emerging. One was in the last camp, which is Eric Palmer Brown. And the other one's going to be in the June camp confirmed by Greg Berhalter, which is Cameron Carter Vickers. Yeah. Right. So I do know. Palmer Brown played against PSG over the weekend, and you actually rewatched the game, or you watched the game, right? To, to yeah, get a better opinion it. on it. So, what did you think of it? I mean, he struggled certainly. You know, I mean, he's going up against Messi, he's going up against Neymar, he's going up against top players in the world, and yeah, you know, Mbappe, all these guys. He gave away a penalty. He had a few other moments of, you know, you go, oh, that's terrible defending. Um, he got away with some stuff. Okay, no, to be clear, he wasn't terrible. But he was below par, right, from what you, you know, would expect. 
playing at that level. Uh, that being said, on the ball, he was extremely good, very technical, uh, very smooth with his first touch, uh, with his touch away from pressure, with his touch into space, you know, to set up his next pass. His vision is excellent. He just looks like a very technical, commanding center back on the ball. And that was good to see. And to be honest, I don't really mind that he struggled. Okay. Because if there's anything that's going to prepare our guys for Qatar, it's playing against the best players in the world, you know? And that's why we always keep saying, go to Europe, go play against them. You know, nothing in MLS, I mean, maybe not nothing, but very few things in MLS are going to prepare you for the speed of play and the quality of play and the intensity of the game that we're going to face in Qatar. And well, so Pete, just that what you're saying, sorry to interrupt, nothing in MLS is going to prepare for a matchup against Neymar, Mbappe, and Messi. No, no, no. So you're, you're basically having to raise your game to up your level. You know, if he wants to stay on the field for Twa, he's going to have to dig deep in training yet again, uh, come back stronger in the next game and continue to improve. And that's what we want, right? These experiences will make for better players. You know, he could have been comfortable. He could have stayed in Sporting KC, probably at this point been one of the best defenders in MLS, but he chose the tough route. He chose the route of going to Europe to push himself to improve as a player. And I really hope we see him in Qatar. Yeah, uh, so one thing Palmer Brown struggled in Austria, because I did scout him more there than I did in Liga uh, for some reason, was when he played pressing teams, he did struggle on the ball, at least yeah. when he was in Austria, right? He played for Austria Wien last season. But from what you're saying, it looks like it's a part of the game that he likely improved, right, yeah. over the next year or so. And he's been a consistent starter in Liga uh, for Trad that has been mid-table roughly, definitely not a relegation team. And again, struggle against Mbappe, Neymar, and Messi, that is totally fine because he's getting that experience, right? He's learning. Oh, so how there to are lots of defenders in the world, top defenders who struggle. Well, Van Dyke struggles with them, right? Yeah. The best defenders in the world will struggle with these players. That's why they score so many every season, right? PK, uh, sorry, not PK, um, Sergio Ramos will struggle with Messi. That's yeah. one of the best defenders of all time. Uh, but anyhow, yeah, Palmer Brown's a player that I'm interested to see in June and, and what he can offer. And then there's Cameron Carter-Vickers, right? Yeah. Which the main concern with Carter-Vickers was he was a very good championship defender for Burnmouth last season. Um, and the question with it was he was never very good on the ball, right? Never looked like a ball-playing defender. And then he goes to Scotland where he's playing for Celtic and he's kind of forced to play on the ball because yeah. they hold so much possession. He's getting over 90 touches per game in the Scottish Premiership, which is a lot, right? Yeah. That's kind of like what John Brooks gets in a good game, right? And distribution. I do want to see in June, because I, I, I'm just going to be honest, I don't watch the Scottish Premiership, and there's only so many games one guy can watch. Yeah. Um, so I, I, I did wanna... watch his last two games, and I'll say this. A lot of teams don't press Celtic, Right. They don't come after them. So he doesn't often, He's he's been decent at, you know, on the ball, making passes into midfield. He hasn't often really been under pressure on the ball though. So it's a little hard to say how will he do when he's really being pressed. My other concern with, with CCVs for a center back, he's pretty short. He's only 6'1", you know? And whenever you say something like that, everyone goes, well, Fabio Cannavaro. Yeah, but Fabio Cannavaro was one of the best, probably the best defender in the world in his prime. So mm -hmm. it's it's unfair to make a comparison. You know, for aerial duels, for defending, even for attacking, he may struggle a little bit. The other thing is that he looks a little heavy and not very agile. Not I'm not saying he's fat, uh, but he's a very muscle-bound guy. And 
Sometimes I think he's a little, from the games I saw, a little slow to react when the speed of the, like the tempo increases. So I'm not saying don't bring him in. And I'm not saying he's not good enough for the U.S. I mean, I'm just clarifying what I saw from him playing in Scotland. But I, I yeah. certainly think he deserves a shot because he's been one of the better defenders there this year. I believe he was also with Tottenham early in the season before he moved to Celtic uh, because he's on a loan, right? Yeah. And, and there was a goal that he allowed on Tottenham, which was probably even like the pin that blew the bubble that got him the loan. The Tottenham was like, we can't have this guy here. It was a slow reaction from him. Um, yeah, that he's not a Tottenham-level defender, and I don't think he ever will be. You know, people like to point to Virgil van Dijk went from Celtic to Liverpool. It's like, okay, again, the exception rather than the rule. I like the guy. And and just because he's not a Tottenham-level defender doesn't mean he can't play for us, right? None of our none of our defenders right now are Tottenham-level defenders. So I like him. I mean, I like that he'll get an opportunity, but then obviously when these guys come into camp, it's their job to impress if they get playing time. There's no guarantee they will, though, right? Greg might think, oh, they don't fit the system or they're not doing what I want them to do or whatever. We don't really know what the criteria is for getting game time. For example, Georgi Mihailovic, from what I've heard, was very impressive in the January MLS camp, and they played three friendlies. He was the top scorer, but he didn't get invited to the World Cup qualifying camp directly thereafter. So just because you impress in training, it doesn't mean that you're going to be invited beyond that. So it's a little hard to tell. But I hope he gets some minutes. You know, I would love to see, you know, maybe an EPB CCV pairing if Richards is there. If if Richards is out and if Brooks is out, which it seems he will be, um, see how they do together. I don't think there's any harm in that. We we. I mean, I also want to see Walker Zimmerman and Aaron Long against good players too, because we've only seen those guys in MLS or in Concacaf. So I want to see how they do against, uh, you know, better attacks. So technically, Miles Robinson was a locked-in starter, right? And he got injured. Uh, I would replace him with Chris Richards uh, as a starter right now, uh, if healthy, of course, right? Chris right. Richards coming back from an injury. But if you ask me who I think Greg would replace him with, probably going to be Long and Zimmerman, the the, yeah. the duel. Yeah, he really trusts those two guys, you know? We'll have to see how they do this summer. I think there are still question marks about both of them. And I think although Zimmerman was largely good for us in training, he was not error-free by any means. And again, we haven't seen him outside CONCACAF. So hopefully Uruguay and Morocco bring their top players and really go for it and don't just, you know, fiddle around. Sometimes these teams, when they play a friendly, they're not really, the, the intensity tends to be lower, you know. Um, and that impacts the quality and the speed of play. And that's the problem with friendlies, right? It's like, that's not going to replicate the World Cup because the speed of play, the quality of play, and the intensity is never like it is at the World Cup. Remember, we drew with France, you know, a month before they won the World Cup, right? So it's it, even with friendlies, it's a little hard to tell, but at the very least, the quality of players is better. And the speed of play will still be higher than what they're used to playing in CONCACAF. Yeah, I think in terms of intensity, not quality, but in intensity, we're not going to have anything just like the World Cup anymore in, until we get to the World Cup in terms of yeah. preparation, right? The World Cup qualifying in terms of intensity, yeah, it's as intense as the World Cup, but the quality here in CONCACAF obviously is much lower. But Pete, in regards to the center backs, that does it. Now I need to quickly give a you shout out. anything to say about John Brooks. We just want to utter his name a few more times. 
I mean, we'll, we'll mention John Brooks later on in the podcast more and more. And Brooks, the, just because the media said we can't talk about him, we need to mention him a little bit in every section. A little yes. bit. Every sec, every podcast we talk about John Brooks. Never forget Even if his we're name. We're talking about turf. We just bring up John Brooks. Like put his. Yeah, we can mention turf. we can mention how John Brooks has never gotten injured in turf. So if we're gonna play there, you might want to bring him. Yeah. Right. Before we move on, do you have anything from our sponsor? Yes, I do have a, uh, a thank you to our sponsor, DraftKings. And thank you very much, DraftKings Sportsbook, for sponsoring this podcast. And the NBA playoffs are still going on. And I know we're a soccer podcast. I know that. But I'm pretty sure you watch the NBA as well. Pete, I know you don't, but most of our listeners probably do. Mm -hmm. So right now, download DraftKings Sportsbook app on your I don't know, your iPad, your phone, wherever you have with you, and use the promo code TBPN. Bet $5 on any NBA team to win their game and get $150 in free bets if they do. $150 in free bets. Use the code TBPN. And thank you once again, DraftKings Sportsbook, for sponsoring this podcast. Once again, download the app, DraftKings Sportsbook, and use the promo code TBPN. Thank you, DraftKings. All right, so let's jump into the next segment where we want to talk a little bit about the youth. And the reason I wanted to talk about this today is because at the end of last season, uh, Philadelphia Union was using guys like Quinn Sullivan, Jack McGlynn, and Paxton Aronson a fair bit. And they were doing well. They were producing. They had goals. They had assists. They looked like quality players. So I was really looking forward to seeing them more this season. Unfortunately, for whatever reason, they haven't really been playing that much. You know, Quinn Sullivan tends to come on with about 15 minutes to go. Paxton Aronson, for some reason, always subs in around the 88th or 89th minute, which is essentially pity minutes. It's a time-wasting sub. And Jack McGlynn, hardly at all. And I wasn't too happy about that, right? Because Philadelphia's whole identity was, you know, look, we're, we're giving youth a chance. And so I was disappointed that Philadelphia Union wasn't giving them the opportunity. But the other side of that coin is this. Philadelphia Union is, I think, top of the table, top at least top of the East, right? And they're, they're playing, first in the East. They're first in the East. Are they top of the, uh, the Shield, the Supporter Shield no, as well? No, they're, they're behind LAFC, Austin, and then they're tied in points with the Galaxy and FC Dallas. Okay. But so the point is they've been three. doing very well. Yeah. <clears throat> so it's hard to complain. And on top of that, you don't want a situation where young players are just getting minutes because of youth and potential. You want them to earn it. This is what happens in the rest of the world, right? They don't just give you minutes because you're young and have potential. You have to be a contributor. You have to be contributing. And maybe Jim Curtin, whose entire track record is to give youth a chance, is not seeing the, the you know what he wants from these young guys in training. And so they're not really getting opportunities. We want to have a league in America where every MLS team has young potential players and are open to giving them opportunities, but they also have to earn it. You know, there's a thing with young players where they start to believe their own hype sometimes, right? They have half a good season. They, you know, they they're all they're all on social media. They all see that the comps that people are making of them and and maybe some of the hype that they're getting. And, and it's not that they stop working, but maybe they just start to coast a little bit. Maybe, and I'm not saying these guys are, I'm just speculating. Maybe they drop their level by just 5% in training. And that 
you know, is not a situation that you want. You want a situation where you have to beat the guys. You don't only have to be as good as the guys ahead of you. You have to be better than them to get the opportunity. And then you have to perform when you're on the field and whatever minutes you get. And then if you don't get it this weekend, you've got to knuckle down in training and keep doing it. That's the only way we're going to compete with the rest of the world. We do not want an atmosphere or a league or an environment where you're getting gimme minutes because of your passport, the way that English players get minutes because they're English, right? You want to be get, giving minutes to these guys because they've earned it and forcing them to earn it will force better quality players better quality of play on the field in MLS and ultimately players that can move up quicker to higher levels because they're used to an environment where they're being forced to earn and scrap for every single minute they get. So that is my sort of, I don't know, my speech on the situation at Philadelphia union, but this applies across the board. You know, one of the things that MLS has started to do really well over the last five, six years you know, is giving opportunities to youth. And that's good. And we all love it. But there's a balance and we have to be careful that we're not just giving them minutes because of their name or because their, you know, potential doesn't equal production always. And so I'm glad. Good good for Jim Curtin. I hope these guys get more minutes going forward. And I hope that they they earn them. Yeah, I mean, if you look across the world too, we can look at a player like Phil Foden, for example, in Manchester City. They don't now he's a bit older, right? But they weren't playing him in the beginning because he was young and had potential. They played him because he had the quality to play for Manchester City, right? Yeah. Maybe he wasn't as impactful when he started that he is now for sure, but he already had enough quality to have an impact. Mbappe, when he started at Monaco and then went to a young age of PSG, you don't play a player based off potential. Obviously, sometimes if there's a lot of potential, you slowly give in minutes here and there. But yeah, becoming a starter and getting a lot of minutes, you have to earn it. And hopefully these Philly kids do earn it eventually. But yeah. again, Philadelphia is one of the top teams in MLS. Again, uh, last season, they probably should have been in the MLS Cup, in my opinion. They, they had the whole COVID outbreak situation right before the New York City FC game. And they probably would have won that game. They were a better team. So they, they lost like seven starters, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, so props. To that. And before we move on to the final section of the, the podcast, too, in June, we want to remind everyone once again, this June, uh, I believe around June 20th or 18th, it'll start. Yeah. It's the CONCACAF U-20 Championship, which, by the way, the United States are the current champions. But this one's a special edition because it qualifies four nations to the U-20 World Cup and mm -hmm. two nations to the Olympics. So there's the group stage, knockout round. Essentially, if you make it to the semifinals, you're guaranteed in the U-20 World Cup. Now, if you make it to the final, you're guaranteed in the Olympics and the U-20 World Cup. And I think me and Pete, we've been repetitive on this, and we can't emphasize enough. Uh, it doesn't matter if we go to these competitions and we don't win them or we're not even the favorites. We have emphasized so many times how important it is to be competing in them participating yeah. the players gaining experience and the olympics there's actually two importances one is to bring in casuals right because random sports fans watch the olympics mm -hmm. u.s men's national team has to be there hopefully do well so people can care about it but the u20 it's very important for players to gain experience to you know just to build that experience of having an international competition the environment and playing against fantastic prospects around the world so again, this tournament in June is far more important than people are giving it credit for and talking about. It's honestly almost as important as the June camp 
right? Because the June camp doesn't really mean that much for the World Cup itself. It's more of just like bringing the roster together, giving some chances with friendlies and Nations League. This is a very important tournament in June. And I hope that MLS clubs take it seriously too. I know they're going to be in the middle of their seasons and they might not want to release some of these young players. But I'm sorry, that's short-sighted to me because ultimately your job is to develop these players. And most of them, not most, but at least some of them will get sold on. What's better for their development, right, is to be playing in tournaments like the Under-20 World Cup, right, to the, the Olympics, getting scouted, getting a feel for that environment, right, of playing against the best young players in the world. And you can do a lot more for a player's career by expo exposing him to that environment and also giving him an opportunity to be seen. That's good for your club, too. If you sell a player for $10 million, that's what, you know, MLS clubs aren't exactly generating cash by the bucket fools. So that's really good for you. And it's also a testament to your academy when you're trying to attract young kids that we're not going to stop you from going to represent the U.S., when it comes time to do so, right? Because young players see that. They see, oh, if you're not letting your players go, let me see if there's somebody else that might, or I might just skip that altogether and go to Europe, right? Those are things to think about. Not just that too. Um, MLS needs U.S. soccer to grow. They benefit yeah. from U.S. soccer growing. And our national team making it to the Olympics, which is one of the most prestigious sporting events in history, right? Uh, it doesn't mean as much in terms of soccer like the World Cup, but in terms of general sports, it's one of the biggest ones, if not the biggest one. And people watch it, and that can drive in more fans, and more fans are better for MLS. They'll be interested. Plus, if MLS starts exporting more talent to Europe, more people will pay attention. Yes. Right? They're going to like, hey, let's see what's up with this league. There's, you know, like I'll talk about like the Brazilian league. Not many people follow it internationally, but they keep an eye on it. It's like, who's coming up there? Let's see. It's a proven market. And also, that's why Brazil can jack up the prices when they're selling an 18-year-old prospect. It's like, hey, we're a proven market now. You've bought a lot of our players. They have worked. I don't want $10 million anymore. I want $25 if you want to take this kid. Yeah. But we can't do that yet because no. we're not a proven market. The biggest star probably to come out of MLS is Alfonso Davies. Yeah. You need to be producing maybe one or two Alfonso Davies every three years or so, right? Something I'd say every year, every year. I mean, we're a huge, it's between us and Canada. You're talking about almost 400 million people and, you know, 30 something first division clubs total, maybe, or 30 clubs, 29 clubs, a lot that of US clubs. That's one world-class player a season. That might be tough for a while, but, but I think maybe having one world-class player every two years, that's already two, three years, that's already amazing for MLS considering Alfonso Davis is probably the actual first world-class player to be produced by MLS. Probably, yeah. Yeah. Probably. Might be the only one, to be honest. The only one, yeah, so far. If we're wrong, then you guys can correct us on Twitter or somewhere. Definitely wasn't Freddie Adu, even though they sold us that he was going to be. <laughs> it was Chris <laughs> Mueller. Oh my God, don't even give me that. He, he, he. I, I actually did a USMNT Abroad episode today. And I even gave Chris Miller a moment of silence because he was leaving the series after six months only. Um, <laughs> He's going back to MLS, which is, it's crazy. Probably that. his level though, you know. And people are saying he's going to be better than Pulisic. And I don't think they realize that he's older than Pulisic. You know, it's also this thing we do, you know, with this sort of flavor of the month mentality that we have sometimes with, with players where we go, oh, this guy scored two goals against El Salvador in a friendly. Brandon Vasquez. Yeah, Brandon Vasquez is the current flavor of the month. Even a guy like Haji Wright, he might be good. He might just be the current flavor of the month. Like, 
we, we overreact to very small sample sizes, usually against poor quality opposition because we can't always read the quality of, of the play as well. And then we overreact. I remember after that 6-1 drubbing of El Salvador last January, not this year, but last year, where Chris Mueller like scored two and like assisted another one. People were getting all excited about him. And guys, he just wasn't that good, you know? So we got to be careful. Look at a player's whole profile. Don't look at their current form. You know, it's a, it's a whole debate. The profile of a player versus their current form. There's an argument for form. But generally speaking, it's like the old age, right? Form is temporary. Class is permanent. Chris Mueller, yeah, also, not class. Chris, I watched Chris Mueller a lot for Orlando, and, and there were so many occasions where I already pointed this. He He's more of a Paul Ariola-like player. He'll yes. hustle. He'll fight. He'll run. Score occasionally. Get an assist occasionally. Do well in MLS. Uh, that's what I've been saying about Chris Mueller forever. At this point, I mean, I actually expected him to be okay in Scotland. I yeah, didn't expect him. Yeah, so that was a disappointment. Uh, but apparently, he struggled the intensity, which that bothers me quite a bit because he shouldn't be struggling with the intensity. But moving on from that, because the people that are asking for Brendan Vasquez to be in the national team are driving me nuts right now, and I don't want to talk about that. It's it's just it's like you have just to add to that real quick. How can you ask for Brendan Vasquez in the national team and then not want Josh Sargent to keep getting called in? I mean, Sargent is somewhat struggling struggling in the Premier League. Yeah, the um, best league in the world. Yeah, the best league in the world. And then you're going to put a guy that's older than him, 23 years of age, that never really had a decent season in MLS until now, I guess, 10 games. He's had 10 games. that, And I watched some of the games. His touch is way off. No hold-up game. It doesn't offer much on the ball. It has some highlights. That's about it. Yeah, and, and I think people read box scores too much. Like they read into box scores. They don't actually watch a lot of MLS games. They'll just look at box score. Hey, he has 10 goals in MLS this season. He must be good. He has eh. six and 10 games. Six and 10 games. It's it's also, it's a good number. It's not something, like if he had 15 goals in 10 games, I'm like, holy crap. Even if his touch is off, I need to see what's up with this guy. Right? Yeah. But you can but, even then you can still not be a great player and just take advantage of some momentum and form and some good opportunities. We also have to remember how bad the quality of defending an MLS usually is. I mean, that absolutely speaks to the amount of goals like that guys can score, you know? Yeah. I mean, I, I saw this the other day too with Palmeiras in the Copa Libertadores, right? The the top scorer of the Copa Libertadores is Rafael Navajo from Palmeiras. And he is a bench player and he's horrible. I, I'm sorry. <laughs> he's horrible. Uh, he is very bad. He's a very bad center forward, and the fans want him long gone. But he's a top scorer of the Libertadores because we faced some very weak oppositions, and he scored goals against them. And and the difference is the fan base in Brazil is not asking for him to be called up or even asking him to start for Palmeiras, for Christ's sakes. Yeah. Not even that, because they're aware of the level of the opposition and the context that surrounds those stats. But it seems like a good chunk of mostly MLS fanboys and MLS media – they ignore reality and just make it up right away. It's like, hey, bring him in. He scored six goals in 10 games. Ignore the fact that he hasn't done anything for his entire career and he's 23 and his touch is off and his positioning is not good. Ignore all of that and the poor defending in MLS. Just ignore that. Just yeah. look at the fact that he has six goals in 10 games and bring him in. But yeah. let's just move on. I don't even know why I'm talking about that. 
today. No, I think it's good to talk about it because I think it's important to clarify things and to talk about how we rate and evaluate players. Pete, today, today, Manchester City. Now we've found out why oil prices are so high. It was to fund <laughs> another transfer. Erling Haaland will head to Manchester City. I believe Fabrizio Romano reported that's going to be around 75 million euros, which, to be quite fair, it's pretty low for Erling Haaland compared Very to low. what they, they pay more for Jack Grealish. Yeah. <laughs> So, so it's laughable. Yeah, it's laughable that they paid more for Jack Grealish. Um, and he joins Manchester City. And what I heard all season long with Manchester City, and before I get to that, congratulations to Manchester City. One thing, uh, they were gonna pay, I think, 150 million for Harry Kane last season at age, I don't know, 29. They were able to get Erling Haaland for cheaper, and yeah. he's a better player than he's a better center forward than Harry Kane. I don't care what the weird Harry Kane. Uh, fanboys have to say about that they're going to bring up the stats of how he scores 20 goals a season in the premier league and gets 15 assists he's a fantastic premier league center forward but he's not a world-class center forward in my opinion and i'll die on that hill i will forever die on that hill no one's going to convince me harry kane's a world-class center forward he's a in, in the national team he's a panama and san marino merchant but they signed holland and i've heard all season that their missing piece was the nine that's what we kept hearing, that Pep needed a nine. Pep needed a nine. And one thing I agree with that is one th the reasons I said Real Madrid was even going to go through. It seemed like Manchester City could dominate the opponent, but they didn't have that one guy up top or two guys up top with the killer instinct that in one play just drops goals, puts the ball in the back of the net, like Liverpool has Sadio Mane and Mo Salah. Uh, Real Madrid this season, Karim Benzema and Vinicius. So it looks like they got this guy. And I know we talked about it a little bit, and you have some questions in regards if Holland will. You're not questioning his ability or his ability to play with the players, but you're questioning whether or not he's the right fit for the way Pep Guardiola wants to play. Correct? Well, not just the way he wants to play, but also the personality profile of a Pep Guardiola player. If you look at Pep's players, and you can see this with Manchester City, all of their players are tend to be very nice. I don't want to say nice guys, but very mild personalities, right? They're not characters. In fact, like Messi. Right. Like, well, wait, no, Messi never went there. Oh, you mean no, no, for no. Barca? Yeah, yeah. The profile. The profile, the profile of the player. Yes. I mean, look at the guys that Pep has had an issue with his in career. Zlatan Ibrahimovic. Notoriously, they never got along and he got rid of him. Samuel Eto'o. Uh, Ronaldinho. Although Ronaldinho was probably a lot more his partying and, and other yeah. habits. But, you know, you look at everywhere he goes, Pep likes guys who will do what they're told who will put the team ahead of themselves always and who never re who aren't they're not brash personalities who you know make headlines he was very unhappy with Jack Grealish's you know Jack Grealish is sort of the antithesis of that you know the little spat he had with the uh, what was the Atletico player I don't remember who it was but you know Jack Grealish had some words for him that you can see for yourself anybody who understands the British accent knows exactly what he's saying that's typically not a pep player pep likes yes men who, like, Pep is a bit of a megalomaniac, right? He needs to have complete control, his attention to detail. You do exactly what I say when I say it. You're in this place, and then you do this, and then you do that. And if you're not willing to fit into that system, then you struggle with Pep. And we've seen this time and time and again with many, many players. And to be honest, I think it's hurt Manchester City a little. I think they need some personality in that dressing room. You know, when things, when the chips are down, who's going to be the guy to go rogue and win it all for you. You know, your Karim Benzema's, your 
Uh, I mean, there's Rodrigo. So many, yeah, Rodrigo, or, or even guys on other leagues. You know, Zlatan, obviously, when he was at his peak, was one of those guys. There are lots of those types of players. I'm a little surprised that Pep, but then again, Pep has been good at improving young players. So maybe Holland will listen. I mean, Holland has a footballing dad, right? Who's gotten given him very good advice over the course of his career. Maybe Holland will go, this is the best thing to make me a more well-rounded player. And he'll knuckle under and do exactly what Pep says. I just think that's a con- one of the concerns to be aware of. And there are also some playing style concerns, but I'll let you take that one. Yeah, my, my main concern in terms of playing style, one thing is for sure, Pep Guardiola knows a lot about soccer. A yes, lot. And, and the players he have all have an extremely high soccer IQ, including Holland. So I think they'll make things work. My main concern is this. Holland is the most dangerous in direct play. Mm-hmm. transition that's mm-hmm. when he's dangerous diagonal runs put a through ball with a lots of space manchester city likes to hold possession let the opponent get back into their defensive shape yeah. use the ball around tiki taka and try to find space and there you go that's really not the way erlen holland thrives that's no. the best way to put it obviously if you're going to do that tiki taka go through the sides and whip in some crosses even though Pep Guardiola's game is not really to whip in crosses, that's not what no, he likes. More cutbacks than crosses. Yeah, but if you whip in crosses, Erling Haaland will find space and put the ball in the back of the net. But this team is not a transition team. And Erling Haaland thrives in those diagonal runs and through balls, which I know Kevin De Bruyne can definitely do it. It's just not how Manchester City plays. So will he still score? Probably will score a lot. especially He'll get opportunities for sure. My question is if, if it'll fit the overall system that Pep Guardiola actually has a system that's very well defined, like you pretty much described it already, and I added a few to it. Will Erlen Haaland fit that system in a way that will take them to the next level of winning the Champions League? That's my question. Yeah. Uh, in the Premier League, with the level of play they have and how dominant they are, Erlen Haaland's going to drop goals. They're, he's going to score. They're going to win games. There's going to be games he's going to have a hat trick. But when push comes to shove in, in the Champions League, you're going to have to find a way to beat Real Madrid, Liverpool, a Bayern Munich. Uh, Barcelona will eventually be back to being Barcelona. And many other teams that are just tough to face. Atletico Madrid, they're a pain to face. Yeah. Um, so I want to see how that's going to translate there. We got to understand this. Just pouring in money and buying players is not enough. And if you want a prime example of that, look at PSG. Yeah, look at PSG. Everyone said it was over. They were going to win everything this season. Sergio Ramos, Dandoruma, um, Neymar is there. Messi has arrived. Verratti in the midfield. Di Maria and Mbappe stayed for another. It's over. They're going to win. It, it doesn't work. No. Right? It does. It, it needs to fit. Everything needs to fit. Yes. Um, I think if there's if Pep is willing to tweak his system a little bit, change a few things understand maybe how to work and transition a little bit better, even though that's not what his A game is. Um, Erlen Haaland can thrive in this team because the, the combination of the players, it definitely works, right? Yeah. It's more of a, it's not really him fitting the players. He fits the players. It's more of him fitting the system. And time will tell. I, I actually think it will be successful. I just have many questions in regards to everyone saying they're now going to win the Champions League. No. I still have to see it to believe it. Yeah, and also it's like Pep has spent so much money in the past on so many players. It's not like winning the Champions League is... uh, Honestly, his Champions League failings have not been a lack of player quality as much as they've been him over-tinkering and being stubborn 
well, it's being generally stubborn with his overall system, but then also tinkering too much unnecessarily uh, in order to come up with something genius that will win the game. And so I think they have a greater chance, obviously, of winning the Champions League now with a, a, a world-class striker there. But we'll see. We'll see how the fit goes. We'll see. It may not be a marriage made in heaven. I think that's all we're saying. It, there may be some hiccups at first, especially at the beginning. So let's see. Let's see how it goes. Yeah. Well, we'll find out soon enough, right? We'll, we'll already know a little bit before the World Cup, but we're probably going to have a better grasp of it post-World Cup. But yeah, so there was a topic we were going to talk about today, but we'll keep it for another podcast. Uh, I, I'm just going to leave on this. I don't think Cristiano Ronaldo is even the best Ronaldo of all time. That's Ooh. what I want to leave it. And we're not going to talk about it today. We'll make my point on a different podcast. We'll talk more about European soccer. I haven't talked to Pete about it, so we'll get Pete's opinion. And yeah, but usually when I say that, I've noticed that people that are 20 years old and younger, they go on a rant on me when I say that Cristiano is not even the best Ronaldo. People that are 30 years old and older, usually they don't go on a rant. Some disagree. I've noticed that. Some say, no, I think Cristiano is better than Ronaldo phenomenon. But they all take it as, well, that's pretty fair. It's a fair comparison. Mm. But we'll talk about it on another podcast. Pete, anything you want to add before you go? No, that's it. Thanks for listening, guys. Thanks for being part of the Tactical Yanks community. Let's get psyched for June. I mean, we're not that far away. Today's, you know, when it drops, it's the 10th. We had a roster in 10 or 11 days, maybe, uh, for the June roster, and there'll be lots to talk about. And then it's just nonstop soccer all of June for both, you know, the senior team and the under-20s. So it's going to be super dope. As always, we'll be covering, you know, live watch-alongs, uh, game breakdowns, previews, all of those things throughout the month of June. So, yeah, thanks for being a part of it, I guess. Thank you very much, everyone. Don't forget to drop a review if you made it this far in the podcast. See you guys next week.